Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines and pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Wendy Burns, I'm my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going, man? Going pretty good, man, on this rainy day in uh, Pensacola. What's going good? Rainy, man. I, I was talking about it with one of my coworkers. The, the weather in Pensacola just never makes up his mind. It, it, it's it, one one time, it's it's sunny, no clouds, next hour, pouring. We're just, just, just raining cats and dogs, man. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but um to, for, for tonight we, we've got a few album reviews in, in the first half and then in the second half we're going to do a review of um interstellar um but to start it off with um juice world's uh legends never die um this album was the chicago artist um first posthumous release and it's a continued look inside what his world was and, and it being you know bleak and and, uh, and beautiful at times um, the, the the delivery that he gives is conversational and also evocative as, you know, he's dealing with the benefits of success and the doubts that come as well um, with a fully developed ecosystem where um, the keys and sounds are built around his frame of mind. Um, there's sparse guitars playing underneath. Um, Juice's, Juice's con- confessional and righteous. Um, there's a pop uh, rock ready anthem in Come and Go where Juice is thanking God for giving him grace and support along with a song like um, Wishing Well. You've got great hooks and there's the theme of despair and drowning. Um, and pills to, to mask problems. And he says, um, quote, I can't breathe. I'm waiting for the exhale. Toss my pain with my wishes in a wishing well. Still no luck, but oh well. I still try, even though I know I'm going to fail, end quote. Um, for many diehard fans, you know, there, there were probably moments when it was an, an, an uneasy listen that doesn't reveal more about him in this whole process. But what were your thoughts on this album and, and the gripping parts of it where, you know, Juice World is speaking from a lot of uh, pain and despair in certain moments? That was that's what the gist of I got from his album. It was a lot of pain, a lot of devil. I see the devil in my head. I think I forgot what track that is. Conversation. So right out the gate, I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Um, Just right. started off with it. Right, because I was never a Juice World fan. I didn't know who he was. Like, I don't know why I'm so oblivious to certain artists, um, but I never Sorry, knew yeah, who he was. And I knew he was an emo rapper, but I actually sat down with my friend and uh, we listened to his album and I just wasn't feeling it, bro. Like I'm never with the ominous, really? dark, gory type of, you know, music. Like I've never been, it just sit, makes you sit down and just cover yourself with your, not not self-pity, but just like depression. I'm, I'm, I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. So I couldn't like, put myself in his shoes like Delve I could into that. Yeah. Like I couldn't do it. I, I didn't want to do it. I think that was a reason because if you allow yourself it's not bad music. It's just not my like my lane of music that I listen or will listen You're to tight. on a daily basis. Yeah. But I knew how through his music I knew how his brain worked and how he moved through life. I think that's the biggest thing I took from his music, the way he felt, the way he thought about things. The way he perceived, you know, um, life. But I mean, other than that, I just couldn't, just couldn't do it, man. It was, it was too dark. It was yeah. too depressive to me to be able to just, it, you know. It, it it has elements of that really heavy in it for 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 like diehard fans that love Juice World's music. This was like right up their alley. Like like they were used to to the type of sound that he was giving. Um, you know, for for, for me, I wasn't a, a, a huge listener of his, but I definitely thought like there were high moments in the album. Um, certain segments I liked of it, certain segments not uh, not as much, but but it's it's one of those things where it, it, it's it's kind of an acquired feeling um, if you're not um, a diehard fan or somebody that's a constant listener of him. 
And, you know, even apart from his, um, from how his path ended up, you know, being destructive, he still had the objective of saving those who listened to him. Um, this project, you know, may, have, may end up being one where um, he can start a process of saving some of his, some of his fans or just listeners in general who, who enjoy this album to, to save people from their de- demons. He says in, in Man of the Year, um, quote, let's raise our hands and sing and dance. I know my lyrics saved you. I know I helped you break through, end quote. And he never wanted to just be alone while he was in these personal battles. Um, but just overall, like looking at him and, and just how artists that have passed, um, like, like, do you think how an artist is perceived even after even after he's passed and 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 we taken everything they did, like that's the best accurate assessment of what they accomplished or, or does it still kind of take time to to really fully appreciate appreciate all of it? I think once an artist passed away, I think it's it's highlighted more. I mean, he was already a, a, a popular artist. Most artists, it's like Nipsey Hussle, and the, I mean, the list goes on of people who passed away too early or you know overdose. So like uh, Mac Miller, like we just appreciate him a little more. And I think it's it's just that that syndrome of um, uh, taking things for granted in life. But when it comes to Juice, man, I really think people like it had no difference to him passing or dying because people really love his music. Like he's, he has like 10 songs in the top 50. That's crazy. Yeah. Top 50. And he, he's surpassed. Um, Uzi's, yeah. Uzi's numbers as well. His uh, first, his first numbers coming out. So I was like, man, that is crazy. But people loved him while he was here. I think that's the difference between him and any other artist. They really love Juice World. They really did. And it's yeah, you, you can get yeah. the feel of that. Right. I mean, that was one thing I observed. Like people really I mean, like him in, in terms of ways I didn't even know when he was alive. I mean, that was because he had that one interlude in, in the in his album where like other artists talked about his impact and how he was gone too soon. And they were like, you know, um, he he could have the same impact that 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 you know Lil Wayne had had, had at one point in terms of just um the cultural and just universal impact that he had along with his music with everybody. And that was something that even other artists and peers in the industry were, were uh, touching on. And I agree. And I mean, he's a, a dope freestylist too, man, like off the top freestyle. Not like I'm yeah. writing something down and calling it a freestyle. He's a dope off the top freestyle. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, I just, but the album, man, I love the, I love the features he had on the album, but I just couldn't get into it. Features were amazing. Yeah. I mean, Marshmallow, come on, man. I really like that song. It's the first one, the uh, duh, 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 duh. what is it called? It's um, "Hate on the Other Side." That one, I love that pop yeah. transition. Or I might be thinking of it because it started him like really slow, and then Marshmallow was it "Come and Go." What well, maybe it was "Come and Go"? It was "Come and Go." It was just "Come and Go." "Come and Go" had a heavy like pop side to it. Yeah, and then he changed the undertone to it, and then it was like more like you know universal. Everybody can like jam to it. I think that was one of my favorites. Even everybody though. can jam to that type of song. Yeah, it wasn't. It was a second Marshmallow song. It was because that was in the top fifty. Come and go was in the top fifty. I mean, because Marshmallow yeah. was on it. So. <laughs> I, like, I like his. Uh, I like when he remixes the songs. He he has a different element to it, closer to a dubstep, but you know, not dubstep. Yeah, I, I mean the the features that he had on this on this project were, were, were really amazing as well. And um, uh, now transitioning to to uh, Khalid's uh, Free Spirit review, um, you know this was his second album from 2019, and one of the labels of his music um, is that it, it's it's genreless and it's really hard to categorize him. Um, the melodies that that he has um, can fit over you know any instrumental, even when it's an acoustic guitar heavy ballad like Saturday Nights or 
um, a disclosure produced dance track like Talk. And this was an, an extremely diverse project with a ton of guests. Um, th- this was also a high budgeted, um, a high budget production showcase and, and self. Um, he's opening up about his in- in anxiety saying, quote, I don't need another hand. I need a couple of suggestions. Always had a little trouble with self-reflections. Now does my raw emotion make me less of a man? Um, always had a little trouble with self-reflections, end quote. And he's still trying to be the voice of the next generation um, as he's approaching songwriting that that's darker. Um, in the intro, he says, but I'm never giving up on what I've been. I've been focusing on putting me first. Still can never see you with somebody else. I can't even live with being by myself. That's the part of me that really needs your help, end quote. Um, but what were your thoughts on this album as one where he wanted to be he wanted it to be like a coming of age project, um, as, as he as he said in a lot of inter- interviews, mm-hmm. um, as a lot of his music is really, you know, smooth and laid back music that um, he's able to, to deliver in that realm. Yo, cut it. The man is a musical genius. Yeah. And you cannot One of my put favorites. him in a, you can't put him in a category. I've tried, I was like, who does he sound like? He doesn't sound like anybody. And my favorite song. On this is bad luck. I don't know what is mm. it about bad luck. Goodness. That I really, it's really every like. time. Every single time. It's like I'm trying to find something wrong with the song. That's so terrible. <laughs> I'm trying to find something wrong with the song. But like all these songs, better is really good. Talk is really, really good. Yeah. Like I really enjoyed this album. Like this is like a vibe album. And I he love came it. with it in this project. He did. He had to. It's I love the production on it. I think that's mm-hmm. where he stands out. His production team. Or his engineers or whoever Bravo. they are. Oh man, come on, come on, yo! Like <laughs> that's why you can't put him in a category. And then it's his melodies, his concepts. I really love his concepts, man. I think this is all 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 around great album, man. Like I couldn't find anything wrong with it. I love the production side of it. I love the way he was transparent. I love how the, the entire project flowed. I didn't get bored with it. Because, you know, some albums, at a certain point, you hit a, a, a like a like a block. A low. Yeah, and you're like, oh, God, it's, it's still going? Like, no, I was like, dude. <laughs> Wrap this thing up. <laughs> right. It's 17 songs, and I was in tune to every song. I was like, oh, wow. I did. There wasn't a low point for me in this one. No, not at all. I listened to it a couple, not even a couple times. I probably listened to it like four or five times straight through. Mm. Yeah. And then I like pick different songs that I really like. Sure. That like like that's kind of the thing. Even when you're going back, like the barometer of what a really good album is 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 when you can just go back and even like listen to different different songs, not even in the in the exact order, and it still has the same effect. Right, right. And I love man. Oh yeah, I and I love him as a feature artist as well as his own artist in his own name because. I had mixed emotion when he first came in, like Location. I was like, oh, Location is really cool. And then he had this other song, this lazy song or something like that. I was like, oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Why did he, how did he go from Location <laughs> to this song? So but this then song. he, <laughs> it was just like um, his voice. I didn't like the The transition was like really weird. <laughs> yeah, send me your Location into the other song. I can't remember what it was, but it was on the same album. I forgot what it was. Because he sung it live, and that's I was like, "What?" It's like I'm broke or something like that. I was like, "I don't." Oh, young, dumb, and broke. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. That one. I was like, "Okay, <laughs> okay." <laughs> all right, now, all right, Khalid. Now, now I'm not a fan, but no, I really, I really, this album really kind of like, and he progressed, you know, yeah. in his music. Like you can tell the difference between the first album. Only twenty two. Only twenty two. That's crazy, man. That's insane. We're older. He, than he, that, he sounds so much more mature than that. He does. He does. And he talks with that 
that you know some people have that melodic with music but and outside music too his voice is kind of like you know you you get attached to it a little bit i don't know if i'm yeah. being weird or not but <laughs> he's got that type of voice i, I mean they, like, like they, they, there's so much uh, depth to it and um you know there's on the other side of it you know there's critics that believe um he's constantly just making safe choices and comes with sometimes dull lyrics. Um, some listeners prefer, you know, more edginess and more edginess and more engagement, but he still fit, fits in the mold of being in an era where, you know, some of the most popular music is popular because it can fit onto, you know, any Spotify playlist as um, like, like background, uh, background noise. And, and you, you can just really get into it. And in an in interview with um, Zane Lowe for album music last year about this album, um, he talked about just how much anxiety he had when it when it came to um, making his first project, American Teen, and discussed how there's so much pressure when you're making music um, because you have to think about what version of yourself you're presenting, um, the, you know, the genuine and, and authentic you. And he was talking about the listener's experience is it, just so important as when they're having a first experience or their most um, celebratory mo- moments or even low days and lows, um, and he wants to continue making music um, from the heart and and be that presence for the listener whenever, you know, with whatever moment they're going through. Um, right. But to, to some of the, the criticisms he's gotten in his young career, as, you know, we were talking about, you know, he's only 22 and, and, and um, with what he can build on or highlight more as to some people, um, his music's perfect for them. And then others feel as though they're not getting enough. But um, like, is it a continuation of what he's doing that you want to hear more of or, or maybe even a, a different element um, that he hasn't t- that he hasn't really tapped into yet? No, absolutely not. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that what he's doing now is great for him. He found his sound. And sometimes lyrics doesn't have to be this big strenuous thing. Like it could be so simple and it be yeah. still be like powerful. Like Michael Jackson's lyrics was never like, oh wow, you've been struck by a smooth criminal, but it was catchy <laughs> and it gets you going. Yeah. I, oh God, I always kind of drop that <laughs> that uh will ferrell live and get you keep the going it, uh, <laughs> but anyways it's so simple but it really is powerful you remember like bad luck bad luck didn't have the big time lyrics it was straightforward but it was a good song the production was what's good on his side the melody was great on his side the lyrics are Sometimes the lyrics are not even the best part. Yeah, that's what's crazy. It's not. So why listen to like it's if it, I feel I think it was Black. Black said people wanted me to do certain type of music, and I knew if I did that certain type of music, I would have to do that for, for all the time. People, if I if I knock it out the park, people are going to want to hear that. And I know it may be simple as, oh, you should add some more lyrics. No, just keep what got you here. Keep doing that. And then in that, you're going to find a different side of you. As, as far as you go into music, you're going to find a different side of you. Let it be organic. Don't let, don't do right. it. Don't force it because other people say like, oh, I think you should, you know, say this. And I'm pretty sure he has people in his, in his camp that are writers. He's got a team that can give him the green light on certain things. Right, exactly. I'm I'm not. I know he's a songwriter, but he has other people coming in and giving him advice on different songs. So if it got the green light from from everybody, uh, from producers, from uh, A and R's, if they got if they got the green light, then it's good. 
because they're not going to put out an album if it's not all good. That's from lyrics, production, from the artist's melodies, for the page, just all kinds of stuff. So keep doing what he's doing, man. Don't listen. Just let it happen organically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and that, that's something he's, he's been able to do just so well. Um, Transitioning to, to, to Division's um, amuse and our feelings, um, you know, this out al- this latest album of theirs came out this past April. And and um, after them having a couple albums of, of restraint, you know, they, they take a major shift with... Um, multiple guests in, in, in club sounds, you know, they're open or no good. It's just a, a vintage version of them with eighties, uh, electric keys, um, cool vo- vocal melodies as, um, Daniel Daly in 1985 shift towards, you know, expansiveness with production from Travis Scott and, and Drake, and then writing from, um, uh, James, uh, uh, Fonsalroy. And some of them were, you know, future on no crying popcorn on, on so what, um, uh, Buju, uh, uh, Banton on Banton and Tidal sign on dangerous city. Um, Jesse Reyes on courtside and, um, Snow Allegra on Between Us, and the guests are, are just wisely incorporated in this project. Um, there's emotional depth, and even though there, there may not be profound revelations, the songwriting still comes with an inspiration about love loss and um, remorse over introspection. And in, in Dangerous City, a song about love in the face of violence, um, and says, um, quote, seems every day it's getting worse up in the city. It's heavy wild and out of hand. No one can fix we. Maybe, maybe it's safer here with me because they know me. The only crime you'll ever face is feeling lonely, end quote. But what were your thoughts on on their third album still being true to their core, but also being expansive with more guests, different production, and, and writing assists? Thank God. Thank <laughs> God. I've been on Division since like 2014-15, once I figured out they were on OVO. And mm-hmm. uh, the first album they ever put out, man, oh my gosh, Bonkers. I fell in love. And then Morning After came out, and I was like, you why <laughs> and i never listened to it ever again ever again it's like it's a couple wow. songs on there i'll listen to you know yeah but this album i was like yo party popkin muji mm-hmm. bantan oh god yes and then the, my favorite song yeah. on here is uh flawless i love what they did to flawless oh, yeah. and do it well i love what they did and summer walker just bring that different element and her just like subtle solo vocal notes and then the beat changes and i'm like oh <laughs> i'm in a concert in a car just like that fast like, i thought it was it, 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 it the concert was, happening here yes yes and like i was jamming but what i loved about this they stayed true to themselves but they gave us more i like mm-hmm. like you mentioned with the writers with the with the features with the, the production they gave us more because I felt like they thought morning after they do well, <laughs> what they thought yeah. they were going to do. And also the I reception, love- it's, it's one of those things that artists can maybe not even hear, but they can just feel the reception. Right. It's just not the same as it was for some of the earlier projects. Exactly. And, and with, I think with the, with the whole concept of the album, I love the cover art. I love how they drop Muse. Muse. Oh, that's my second mm-hmm. favorite song. Oh, yeah. When I get in the car, I'm going to play that now. <laughs> but no, I love the cover art of it. I love the concept of it. It flowed well because, you know, some artists have this this concept and they don't go by it. They just have it. It doesn't like coincide with the cover or the concept of the album. They just have songs on there. It doesn't mean anything. But I really, I really, I really enjoyed this album. I listened to it a couple times, like full through and then like certain songs oh, yeah. I have like highlighted that I'm can see the gym like muse do it well 
uh, the song with uh, Popkin, of course, song with Party. No, uh, New Friends. Oh, yes. no, 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 not New Friends. It's called Friends. Yes, Friends. Yeah, that to me, like that's one of the top three or top five with with Party. I mean, that that one is 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 really up there. And you know, with with Daniel Daly, um, he's got a voice that's just so striking, and it's 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 crazy to think of the fact that, um. He began his career as a rapper and, and songwriter, and he already had the gift of singing, but just wasn't using it at the time. And um, his partner, 1985, an, an exceptional pop producer, had an entry point um, in, in music that's even farther from where he's at now. Um, he, he was in punk bands. And after they linked up, you know, they, they, they've gone through years of trial and error and now landed on, on a signature sound in, in R&B that's um, uniquely theirs. But, but w- what are kind of your thoughts on where their different original journeys and the music industry um, led them to this duo and navigating through what works and doesn't and finding their sound because sometimes artists, they don't, how they started off is not how they end up. And right. they kind of have to go through that trial and, and error to get to like where they really want to be and, and what's best for them. I talked about a, a, a wall in the beginning during this podcast. And it's a wall as, a, as an artist. And some people are aware of that wall and some people are, are not aware. But the thing that makes you different as an artist, you have to figure out a way to get around, climb the wall. I know it's kind of like, of course, duh, but some artists don't do that. Mm-hmm. And you have to re-ima- reform yourself and do things differently. Now, I love his falsetto. I think his falsetto yeah. is up there with a lot of singers. And he has a range that a lot of singers don't have. And I don't know what music they were doing or what sound they were doing uh, previously before you know they got to sign with OVO, but Man, what they do now, I think it, it goes into the production side because you know he has that rock. Not, it was a punk band. What was mm-hmm. it? Yeah, punk band. Yeah, he punk has band. that background. Maybe they were doing something like that, and he was just rapping. Double the first. cream. That was the name of the punk band. <laughs> really? Oh gosh, <laughs> he probably was just rapping. I think that's probably yeah. the way he was like, "I'm just gonna rap, man." I don't, and I probably, you know, even a single hook, hook or two. But then he was like, "No, bro, I think you should just sing, no rapping. Let's go full yeah, just do that. Yeah, and then let our influences, like, it just, I'm pretty sure it happened organically. But you have to realize that wall, and you have to figure out strategically how to get around that wall. I think his singing abilities and the production side, obviously, is what stands out. Because there's a lot of uh, groups, you know, Saunders is another one that's really, really good with Brent Fiaz and two other producers. Um, mm-hmm. It's more groups than that that have just producers. Uh, Great Fine OK is a pop band, but they have some incredible incredible producers and the lead singer is in band. I'm normally not a pop guy, you know. I love I like pop oh, yeah. music, but great fine, okay. Those guys are pretty good. But absolutely. Uh, I think it's, you know, being aware of what you need to do to get out that funk and what you need to do differently. How do I market myself? Which what type of music are the marketing you? is so pivotal. Yeah. yeah, most definitely. It has to be. I mean that's the that's the biggest thing in music because how do you how do I get my music to the demographics that's going to uplift me and then transition to like the overpour? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and I'm figuring that out as well as an artist. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a, it's definitely trial and error. You it's a lot of um, thinking hours. I'm like, oh man, how how can I do this? How how can I get my music to the demographic from 18 to 24? Mm-hmm. Because they, they buy the most. That's, that's uh, such a pivotal age range because they're going to be on Spotify the most. They're going to be right. seeing what are the posts on Instagram. Like, like what are, what are you doing to promote your brand? 
they're going to be focused on all of those all of those details. Right. And they're going to be the ones that's on social media all the time and is going to interact with you, tell you what's good, what's, what's not good. They're going to mm-hmm. give you what you need. So how do I how do I know what city, what state do I need to go into or what? I, how would I put my music in those cities without going to those cities? So it's just like understanding that marketing is the, the most pivotal thing. Yes, you need talent. Yes, you need to know, have an ear for music, but also you need to know how to market yourself before anybody else can. And I think that's what they yeah. figured out. And now they got the, you know, the formula. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our Interstellar Review. Welcome back to the show. And now we're getting into our Interstellar Review. And to start it off with the overview, Interstellar is a 2014 epic science action film directed, co-written, and co-produced by Christopher Nolan. I'm sorry, Matthew McConaughey, um, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Ch- Chastain. Um, Bill Irwin, Ellen Burstein, Matt Damon, and Michael Caine. Um, it's set in a, in a dystopian future where humanity is struggling to survive. Um, the film follows a group of astronauts who travel through a wormhole near Saturn in search of a, a new home for mankind. It had a budget of $165 million and $677.5 million. Um, has a 72% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Also had a worldwide gross of over $677 million, making it the 10th highest um, grossing film of 2014. At the 87th Academy Awards, the film won the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects and was nominated for um, Best Original Score, Best Sound Mixing, Best Sound Editing, and Best Production Design. Um, and, and this film, you know, may not be as acclaimed or timeless as some of Christopher Nolan's finest works all time, but it's one of the most thought-provoking, breathtakingly um, cinematic sci-fi epics recently. But what were your initial thoughts of the film as just a cinematic masterpiece um, in, in, in the sci-fi genre? Once again, why did I start with that one? <laughs> I don't know why I started Once with again. That. Once again. Uh, no, when I first like heard about this movie, I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be dope. Because I think it was, uh, was it Man on Mars with, um, mm-hmm. uh, what's his name? Jeez Louise, Wellington should be coming in. Three, two, Man one. Man on Mars? <laughs> man, man, no, it wasn't Man on Mars. It was uh, the Gravity? Blaine Jason Ball, Matt Damon's movie. Oh, Matt Damon. Oh, Mar- the Martian. The Martian, yes. So Martian came out before this, and I really liked The Martian. So I was like, okay, maybe, okay, this is a different element or like a different angle to, you know, space and having astronauts out there. Because we've seen, uh, what's the what's the one of the Armageddon? I love that movie with Bruce Willis mm-hmm. and a lot of other big-time yeah. artists. So I'm, I'm fascinated with like different angles and perspectives of space, space travel. And this, with this one, yo, this this took the cake. It was super long, but it took Absolutely. the cake. I love how everything kind of like, he's he has a knack for putting, like taking you to different spots on the map and then just everything just coming back together. All Smooth. in the place. Not, yeah, not forcefully, but it just smoothly comes back to place. Like you, And it all comes to this, Oh, that's the sound you want to hear from the audience. Oh, you might hear some because it was a long movie, but oh, that's what you want to hear. And that's what I got. I was like, oh, crap. That's so dope. That was him this entire time. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm going to wait for the scenes. But no, I thought this movie was scene by scene, actually understanding what, how, you know, space works or just having that, you know, 
I guess that perspective of how space works, and it was really tied together. And I'm a big fan of Matthew McConaughey. Hey, yes, a lot of people think he's a all terrible right, actor. All right, all right. <laughs> a lot of people think he's a terrible actor. I don't know why. But he's a good actor. Yes, Family Guy craps on him every chance they get. The writers at Family Guy, uh, <laughs> yo, they crap. On <laughs> they him just have it out for Matthew McConaughey. They just have it yes. out for him. Yes, and I'm like, yo, Matthew McConaughey is not a bad actor. He's really, really good. I'm talking about the scene him driving like he's back in the 70s, shoulders slouched over. He's just bawling while dust is everywhere. What mm-hmm. a scene. Oh, right? out of control. <laughs> okay, that was a good one, Willis. That was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> hey, you I have some. Boy. I have some. Not as many as you do. <laughs> Well, it is on the board, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, good one. That was a good one. <laughs> wow. I don't even know where you where, where were you at. <laughs> did you did you already finish? Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, I was just saying. Oh, yeah, it's it's good. Matthew McConaughey is a good actor. But no, I, I love how everything. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing. I was we were even I was even talking about it with with Trin in the in the um in the Memento review um j- just comparing some of Nolan's you know finest um characters the depth that he has in this with hum- the humanity that, that he's bringing like we see a more mature performance um from Matthew McConaughey in this film and I feel as though everything he needed to do you know as a father as someone who was trying to 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 to, to find a solution to to an urgent matter he checked all those boxes and delivered in a role that was just yes. perfect for him. It was tailor made for him. Yes. And it, it made us, you know, because we always see Matthew McConaughey cry. And sometimes his cry is, okay, like, all right, you're crying way too hard, bro. But, but no, I love how he, he he didn't let the scene come to him. He came, he, he brought it to the scene. Um, and I really, I know that's kind of like, you know, now nah, that's backwards, but I love where he can bring that element. Well, that's the word of the day, Wellington. Element. Element. Listeners, that's the word. Element. Yeah. Why do I do this to myself? I'm a wrecking ball. <laughs> if you wouldn't bring it up, I actually wouldn't notice. If you if you brought it up, I actually wouldn't notice. <laughs> I think that's a thing now, so I have to bring it up like, Wellington, that's the word of the day. That's the word of the day. <laughs> you should put it like, word of the day. Element. Ding, ding, ding. Like, you should put that, that in the, <laughs> the, the podcast. But no, um, yeah. I feel like his 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 acting really enhanced the scene, and he brought it to it. Like, that's... I'm, I'm, I'm talking mm-hmm. about the same scene, and especially the last scene when he saw her, and she was so old, and she knew who he was. It's just like that emotion that it was just like, he didn't have to say anything. It's like, he re- like, he really sold the scene. And I don't know. I hate when people say Matthew McConaughey. My mom Matthew actually met Matthew McConaughey. He's a big uh, a Washington football fan. Really? <laughs> wow! <laughs> I can't say Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Yeah, we no. can't say. It. Hey, it's the Washington football team. The Washington football team. He's a big fan of the Washington football team. No, seriously, she has a picture with him and everything. He's like a big fan. Like he's been to, wow. uh, yeah, he's been to like some of the players' parties and stuff like that. Like, yo, it's, it's crazy. Like, I didn't even know that. Like, he's, yo, he's such a down to earth guy. He is. He really is. I was so mad. I was supposed to go that summer and I would have met him, but I didn't go. And I'm so sad. Hey, man, like in a few years, we're going to review Interstellar. Do you want to go? <laughs> 
Yo, I would have freaked out, bro. I was like, yo, it's only a certain people. Like, when I, only person I geeked out over, and I met like a bunch of people, obviously, because, you know, Big Bro is a, you know, in, you know, and if a running back, NFL. it was Robert Griffin. I like, I knew about him like when I was in middle school, like, not middle school, uh, high school, because I wanted to go to Baylor. I didn't get in because they don't yeah. sell that many outside. And it's a private school in Waco. But I like, I was like, yo, like, hi, Kevin. I'm here. Like, I feel like SpongeBob. <laughs> like, hi, Kevin. I'm your biggest fan. I got it. Like, I so, hi, Kevin. Like, I felt so weird. But he was so, like, you know, down to earth. And my mom was so, like, he was too. Like, she was like, hey, can I get a picture? He was like, yeah, come on in. Come on in. Like, he was just inviting. But um, no, yeah. I think what he brought to these scenes, like, man, it was like, you, you felt it. And um, it was it was a, a convincing performance by him. Like you said, it was it was a role made for him. And I think his his level and intelligence, the level of intelligence as an actor, really brought it to the to the stage. Because you know sometimes you have the best screenplay, and uh, some actors can't bring it to life. So yeah, he did a good job. Yeah, definitely. And um, now transitioning to uh, to our first topic, you know, from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, um to, to me, I had it as as four as. It was just a brilliant narrative and was scientifically accurate, the amazing direction, plus um, the extremely uh, emotional and rounded approach um, to relationship between um, a father and daughter are just some of the elements that made it so fluid and, and polarizing. Um, the, memor the, the memorability just coincides with the first half depiction of the decline of humanity and then the second half um, calling for survival. Um, but to you, just, just what makes this a particular um, four-star film? Okay. Um, I will have to give this three stars, Bulletin. And I know you're gonna oh, like, you just I bet. gave it, I bet. You just gave a high praise. Uh, no, I, I gave it three stars so, because so of think, the length. Listeners, this is the this is the thing I did wrong. I assumed he was gonna say four star before actually following my question from one to four stars. What would you give it? He was giving it such high praise. He's like, uh, no, three stars. <laughs> I give it three stars because if you're not a geek about space, then you won't be into this movie because it's th three, no, it's two hours and 49 minutes. If you're not a geek, because I like outer space, I like the interstellar, I like galaxies, I like, you know, my favorite galaxy is the Milky Way, though, because it's like after a candy bar. But anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, put, I, you know, I just had to put that one in. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I like it because because you know, I, I like space. I like learning about space. I like learning about planets. I learn about the time it takes to get to another planet, and it's another different time where you're back. Like I, I like that type of stuff. So, like when I gave you before we started this segment of the podcast, I was like, my dad went to sleep. Like he went to sleep in the movie theater. He was like, we was like pops, like wake up, he was like man, leave me alone. Like <laughs> it was that long. And if you didn't like, if you weren't like a fan of, you know. Nolan, or just like a, a like a, a geek about outer space, you're not gonna you're not gonna want to watch this movie because it has its dry spots, I would say, but yeah. they're necessary dry spots. So you want like you won't be as engaged if it was you know some other movie. But that's why I gave it three stars just for like like the engagement. If it wasn't you know I didn't I, I would give it four stars, but I'm just gonna say three. So so to you three stars in terms of just what it is for overall fans in terms of fans that may not even be fan, uh, um like 
that enthusiastic about the sci-fi sci-fi genre um but like in terms of just your 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 perspective as a viewer it's a four-star film but just looking at what it does for the average fan you kind of feel as though it's it's just a good film not a great one yeah as a like a, a geek of like you know outer space and like i do like some of his like most well most of his movies actually like i four stars but like i was like doing the perspective as just like a normal average watcher like mm-hmm. you said that's not really familiar with these you know sci-fi or not into those type of things you're gonna be like oh yeah it was a good movie but it was super long that's the first thing i'm gonna say man it was super mm-hmm. long super long dude i feel like like four yeah. times dude dude like dude super long dude, dude. oh my gosh dude. like bro oh, gosh. how to get like more bro. coke and pepsi like get like, he was behind the how to go dude. Like, out oh my gosh. leave my seat how, how do you get behind the bookcase dude <laughs> okay yo i didn't pay for that <laughs> Hey, yo, I'm glad Wellington just goes, <laughs> goes along with my just, like, chaoticness. Like, I just do, like, no random things. <laughs> he flows with it, man. That's the that's banter, bro. We're banter brothers. Not the Splash Bros. We're the banter brothers. No, okay. okay, let me go back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> Not blood, brother. <laughs> the banter brothers. Yeah, yeah, I mean... I, I, I... The, the the banter brother is is that gonna be like our next podcast the banter brothers the the banter brothers Wellington Xavier Morris banter brothers theater near you banter brothers rating not yet decided <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um now transitioning to to uh favorite character um. For, for me, it, it, it was Dr. Brand as Anne Hathaway. You know, she wasn't given a, a ton of character work in this movie, but she, she's an effective mouthpiece for just numerous um, amazing monologues, especially when it comes to her um, long winding musing on musing on love being the only thing we can't measure mathematically. And that was like, you know, that was one of the biggest things that ended up being like an, uh, um, just a factor in the film and, and also one of the most key um, key. Uh, speeches of the movie but um overall who is your favorite character murph all the murphs all the murphs every last one of murph 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 um i think murph was because when she was younger i think the like the the gradual change in her character really like stood out the most to me because one like she knew what her dad did she was kind of like you know Kids want to be like their dads, want to do this thing like their dad, but then it gradually changed. Like, I don't want to do that, and then it gradually changed. Well, I have to do that if I want to see my dad again, or if I want to see what happened to him. What can we change? What can I do now? I'm going in my dad's footsteps because I feel like I'm forced to. So it's just like the gradual change in characters, mm-hmm. how she how she views her dad and how she misses her dad, and she misses him so much, so she went in his footsteps and tried to do the same thing. You know, I just like Murph. She's kind of like you know. Then hear about her like crashing a car, and and just seeing her at the old age and understanding like everything. It was just like yeah. just like a wraparound. Her character was like like stood out the most to me. I think she was like the heart of um, Matthew McConaughey, which his character is Cooper. I like Cooper too, but I like Murphy mm-hmm. better. Yeah, she has such a, a pivotal uh, role in this film. I mean, this is a lot of it is dealing with family and the elements of family when somebody has to leave and go on um, a journey like this where you don't even know when they're going to come back or even if they, they, they will come back. And, and that was uh, just just a huge highlight of, of, of the movie. Um, transitioning to most memorable scenes, um, 
I had the opening scene where um, Cooper and Murph are finding a secret place. Um, Cooper saying goodbye to Murph um, and, and where Murph is desperately trying to say anything to convince her dad not to go. Um, the entrance to the wormhole and aliens contact where Cooper and his group are navigating through it. Um, the big wave scene and first step on the new planet where Cooper and his comrade arrive on the planet full of water. Um, Cooper seeing his daughter after 35 years and him realizing how much time has passed. And, and that's, you know, where he's extremely uh, emotional um, for that scene. Cooper meeting Dr. Man after he wakes up. Then Cooper versus Man, where, where, Man, where, where Man betrays Cooper and, and humanity. Cooper entering in the black hole and talking to Murph through, through gravity. Cooper learning the truth as he talks with Murph in the black hole. And then love was the connection and, and communication. And then finally, the ending scene where an older Murph meets Cooper and convinces him to go and, and save Bran. Um, but to you overall, um, for this film, what, what was kind of your most memorable scene? It's, it's too many. So I'll go the one, the scene I was referring to earlier when he was driving away and he just starts crying and the dust is right behind. Crazy scene. It really kind of like gave you like, I don't want to go, but I have to go. It's like, you know, you want to make your kids proud, but you also want to make your kids proud. You want to provide for your kids. So it's kind of like that, you know, conflicting nature of being a parent. Also the scene at the end when he sees old Murph and she's got her family around. It's just like, go save her. Like, let me have my family. Like, like you know what I'm saying? That one. And then um, when he found out what was really going on, they went to the, I forgot what, what planet it was. They picked the... And then they lost the the robot. No, somebody died. Somebody died with the like big wave, and they finally got off. But somebody died. They had to leave somebody behind. And I think the robot kind of like croaked over too, right? Or am I thinking about the same movie? You're thinking of Tars, right? The robot Tars. Yes, yeah, Tars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they went to the yeah. one, and then when they came back, the the black gentleman, uh, what's his name? Uh, I forgot his character's name. And he came out the portal. He was like, "Why did you wait?" He was like, "Y'all were gone for so long. I didn't think he was gonna come back." Like him, like that when they went to there. Yeah, and he's he talking about out, how long, how long the time had elapsed. I mean, that that was a crazy part, right? And then he found, then Cooper found out what they were really trying to do. Um, that was a good scene. And then the the scene where he was behind the bookcase. And he was talking to the young oh, yes. That was the best one. Because it came like, he was like, yeah. oh, remember that moment I was talking about? Oh, that moment. <laughs> That's when I had it. The crowd reaction. <laughs> and then he was floating in space. Like, how many times are we going to have somebody floating in space just like aimlessly? Just floating in space and having yeah. a conversation. Right. So that was, <laughs> that was good. Those were, those were good ones. Yeah. Um, uh, now transitioning to most memorable quotes, um, I had um, Dr. Brand quote, you might have to decide between seeing your children again in the future of the human race. Um, another one from Dr. Brand, we must reach far beyond our own life sp uh, lifespans. Cooper, um, Murphy's law doesn't mean that something bad will happen. It means that whatever can happen will happen. Um, Murph, once you're a parent, you're the ghost of your children's future. Um, then another one, mankind was born on earth. It was never meant to die here, end quote. Um, mm -hmm. Cooper, we used to look up at the sky and wonder at our place in the stars. Now we just look down and worry about our place in the dirt. Um, and then That's another one from one. Cooper, we've always defined ourselves by the ability to overcome the impossible. That was kind of my like most memorable one. Yeah, and then finally, Dr. Brand, um, love is the one thing that trans transcends time and space. And that's, you know, how mm. the movie, you know, it, it, it eventually ends up. We see, doc we see her trying to go after what she always has wanted to. Um, but to you overall, right. kind of what was your most memorable quote? <sighs> the ending, man. Uh, well, not even the ending. It was like, um, 
Well, actually, was there? And he was like, nobody believed me, but I knew you come back. How? Because my dad yeah. promised me. Yo, that whole innocent. And then she was like, I'm here now, Murph. I'm here. No, no parents should have to watch their own child die. I have my kids here for me now. You go. Where? Brand. She's out there. Like, yo, like, yo, that gave me goosebumps. And the music, man. the music is riling up, man. It's just, it's a, it's a perfect, it's a perfect build. And he got those tidal waves in his eyes and it's like super convincing. Yeah. It's not like a, just too much cry. It was just like the right amount of cry. And then watch the tears mm-hmm. just gently like, Hooray! Jump out of his eyes. Like, it was dope. It was a dope scene, man. Those quotes right there really just gave you, like, the core. You said family was the element that was, you know, placed throughout the movie. And that really kind of summed it up. Even when, like, I, I haven't seen my dad in years. I knew he was going to come back. I knew he was talking to me. But I haven't. you shouldn't watch me die. Because I didn't want to watch you die. Mm-hmm. Now I have my family here. Let them let them love on me before, like, because I feel like she knew she didn't have that chance to love on him while he, you know. And then she wants her family. She to knew the opportunity that. was gone. She was like, right. go after what's really important right now at this moment. Right, and I love that. I love that he he implements those scenes. He, you know, it tears at your your your, your tish, You know, your heart strands, man, and really heart strings. Yeah, I say strands. You like strands? I, it, strands, heart strands. It's strands. It, string sounds better. It sounds I, better. I like strands. Yeah. You're right, Willa. To leave me alone. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> what it was like strings. Hey, yo, it's strings. Yo, strings. it's strings. And, and, and I was like, nah, it's strands. It's strands. It's strands I like bro. strands better. But that be strings does sound better and it makes more sense. So I'm going to go with you. Strings. Strings. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, um, give give your comments on heart strings. Heart strings. <laughs> Which one do you like better? <laughs> yo, yo, <laughs> that's funny, man. <laughs> well, it's in strikes again, gentlemen, ladies and elements, gentlemen. Elements, elements. We had element. Now we have <laughs> heartstrings versus heartstrings. No interstellar review. Heartstrings. <laughs> Full scope. They turned oh into the Banjo uh, Brothers. <laughs> But yeah, um, now transitioning to kind of what did you kind of like the most about um, this particular yeah. storyline? You know, for me, just how this was a science fiction epic made from the point of view of a family, similar to how, you know, Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind was, it, it, it just it just peeled back the layers of something that we rarely see um, in, in a lot of science um, fiction films. Murph and Cooper's relationship was just, it, it, it was so strong. It was just so timely everything about it from the beginning to how close she was with him. You know, that that one time when he was, when he was leaving first, she wasn't even supposed to be in the car with him, but she was right there and she popped up and he, he let her stay with her. And they just had such a strong dynamic and chemistry, um, mm-hmm. even till the, you know, the ending scene. Um, but to you overall, kind of, kind of like, what was your favorite part about the storyline? I think it was, I, I want to say, I don't want to do generic, like, you, you know, pick it back on what you said. I think the dynamics of like their perspective on um, time and space, right? Because we, we we mentioned how they went to the uh, the planet, and then for them it was like five, ten minutes in space. It was just like 20, 30 years already passed by. A guy had a full gray beard, and he was on the, the edge <laughs> of life. And I love. I was like, yo, that's a that's so dope. 
Because maybe it is like that up there. I don't know. You go to some place, you could try to come back, and there's like a different time. I mean, it's sci-fi, so it's just like it just makes you think about, hmm, maybe that could have happened. But I just like how he was just floating yeah. aimlessly. Like it was like dry spots, but it was good dry spots. Like when he was just floating in the um in space, it was just like, yo, he's not getting out of this. Like <laughs> where is he gonna go? <laughs> it's, it's a wrap. <laughs> where is he gonna go? And like, you know, I don't know. And then him wa- <clears throat> excuse me, and him watching the videos of his son, you know, and Man. just those those moments, like it was like it was serious, you know, because they're trying to figure out how we save the earth. But it's also like, yo, it's either save the earth or save my family. But it's way I can't save the earth in my family because now I know the truth about what we're really doing. We're trying to leave everybody behind and start a new, like try to find a new earth and try to start, you know what I'm saying? Like it was just like that. It was just like the those different spots where he just brings everything together and you're like, oh, yeah. It's really dope. We, we, and, we, and we can't move on from talking about Matt Damon being a villain. Dr. Mann being a villain and him him coming up, up, up out of nowhere near the end of the film, it, it's one of those things where right. that was such a huge, that was just a huge class. I, I'm, I'm not used to seeing Matt Damon as a villain. We, we usually see Matt Damon as the protagonist, the one who's, you know, the, 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 the guy trying to save the day or just, you know, the politician in the Adjustment Bureau, extremely likable. I mean, do you have any thoughts on just Damon kind of, you know, not playing a, a longer role, but a different role and one that was, you know, extremely key as, you know, Cooper was trying to save humanity and he was going up against him. I forgot about that, Wellington. I'm glad you mentioned that. That really just, when I saw him, because like I said, I like the, the Martian and him in that movie, he was... Yeah, I think he was floating in space too. No, I think that was Sandra Bullock that was just floating in space. No, that was Sandra gravity. Bullock. Yeah, gravity. But when I saw, I was like, yo, okay, all right, okay, all right, that's good. Like they just tied everything together. <laughs> okay, I'm right. with it. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, I'm rocking with it. Now I'm up again. Because <laughs> it's a two hour, 49 minute movie. But um, no, I thought it was a really dope. I thought his cameo really, and then him like exposing and us really like finding out what's really going on. I think that was really like the turning point of the movie. It was like leading up to the climax, and then him just trying to beat Cooper's butt. Like really was uh, (laughs) really was funny. I can't remember (laughs) something. Matthew McConaughey and Matt Damon like twelve twelve rounded heavyweight battle (laughs) turned into pay per view. It was so funny. Did something blow up? I can't remember. Did something blow up? Did like a robot set something off or something like that? I can't remember. Yeah, the robot. The, the robot okay. set it off near, near the end of the film. And that's, yeah. Okay, yeah. that was, His cameo was really dope. And then he got in a, a Jason Bourne fight. Um, <laughs> it was really dope. It like gave He's me like, I gotta that. Do it. Like, okay. I got to bother Jason Bourne. We'll stop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like it was really dope. He he threw that curveball for everybody, especially like if you like Martian and like Mike Damon as an actor. Like that was a huge curveball, though. I I just did not see that one coming. But 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 that was that was a good element near near the end of the film. Yeah, and then I love his. Uh, yeah, he was like, uh, "Don't judge me, Cooper. You were never tested like I was. Few men have been." <laughs> he was such a jackbutt, man. <laughs> He was such a uh, just oh, he was a, such a, a jerk in this movie. Yeah, he was. And I can't. I, was I don't right. just usually say that about Matt Damon movies, right? Especially like it was in like a small part, but he was right though. Like if you really think about it, 
Like it was no way they could save everybody. No way. No yeah. way. So that yeah. I think it was a it was a good it was a good cameo. Definitely a curveball. I didn't see that coming either. Yeah. And and now transitioning to our last topic, 10 years from now, do you still think it's watchable and and intriguing? Um, To me, like just the brilliant narrative, the emotionally stirring moments and the fact that, you know, this was the, the, the dualistic nature of the first half depiction of the decline and then just the second half calling for survival. That dualistic nature to me is something that I really think a lot of people will get into. And obviously, like you said, from your perspective, there are some viewers that that won't you know, really get into this and, and the, just the prolonging nature of the film. Um, but to me, kind of like some of those elements were the ones where I really feel as though it can, it can last on to be um, a really memorable movie. But, but to you, like 10 years from now, do you, do you think it's, it's going to be watchable and intriguing? Um, yeah, I would say oh. so. I would say so. Cause it's a Matthew McConaughey, it's Matthew McConaughey, it's Anne Hathaway. I mean, it's Mr. Nolan. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Caine. Yeah, Michael Caine. You know, in a cameo for Matt Damon, I just think for if you're not interested in sci-fi, you're not gonna want it. You want to, you know, dive into it because you know, right? Yeah, I'm just looking at their perspective, but I definitely think it's a, it's a, a good movie, and I think it's well-rounded. Um, especially just how they how he just did those, and I just had those old moments. But no, I definitely think it's it's definitely watchable because I I still watch it. Actually, no. Yeah. When did the last time I watched this? It had to be early this year. Because I had nothing to mm-hmm. do that day. <laughs> oh, if you don't have anything to do, this is a perfect movie to watch. <laughs> perfect movie to watch, man. But no, nah, it was a really good film, though, man. Like, yeah, it's definitely watchable. Forget those critics. Do you what oh, yeah. did it get on Rotten Tomatoes? Cause I have to say this now, because Shutter Island, every 72%. Freaking, 72%. Freaking, freaking Rotten Tomato, man. Like what? What do you guys do every night? Like, come on, man. This was a good film. 72%? It had to be at least what 80. This, what made this a 72%? I mean, 82% sounds reasonable, but like, man, the recent films that we've been doing, they've been they've been going hard at them. Right, bro. Like, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure they gave Paul Blart 95%. Okay, that's joking. They did not. Put it in Paul Blart. Paul Blart. 97% riveting. Best riveting. thing we've seen all year. <laughs> he passes out if he doesn't have sugar. Like, you're like, come on, man. No, I'm just, I'm pretty sure Paul Mark got like 55%, if that. But, um. <laughs> man, did- Rotten Tomatoes has become a villain of full scope. My goodness. Wait, what did Parasite get? I'm interested now, in which I still haven't watched the film and it's on Hulu. Oh, come on, man. You got to watch it so we can review it. Gotta watch it. I, I, I believe why. it got a 90, 95% Rotten Tomatoes. Parasite did. Yeah. Did it now. Okay. So comparing Parasite to Shutter, I know it's two different, you know, two different storylines, two different scripts. Did I, it deserve still gotta go with Shutter Island? Still gotta go with Shutter Island as a better film. I can't I, that 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 film is just you you constantly circle around it. You're it, it, it's as we were talking about with Maurice uh, a, a couple weeks ago the clues, you know, that are always like dropped into it two or three times you have to rewatch it. Parasite is the, probably the best film I saw last year. I mean, once upon a time in Hollywood, um, the, 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 the latest film that, um, Scorsese, the Irishman, um, Joker, I mean, and, uh, other great films as well, but that was kind of like the peak film, but, but comparing Shutter Island, Parasite, I, I'd still give that to Shutter, Shutter Island. And that's crazy. Cause it, 
That just you just gave me a, a different yeah a good perspective because if you you really raved about Parasite and you saying oh, that Shutter Island was a people, better movie, people were asking me like, "Yo, we're seeing you post about this every other day. Like, what is what is Parasite?" <laughs> I said, "I gotta watch it." I've this is the crazy thing. I'll scroll down my Hulu and see it. It's like, nah, I'll just add it. I'll <laughs> I'll watch it eventually. I don't know what's yeah. wrong with me. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Man, we got to get a guest on for Parasite. Parasite review. We got to get a guest on man. Parasite is it, 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 it's it's right up there as just it, in terms of what it did last year because a lot of international films don't get that acclaim. It was really neat to see it get that type um, for with, with what Bong Joon Ho did for last year because that was a kind of a, a crowning achieving moment. Um, in cinematic history and especially for a film like that. So yeah, watch it, man. I gotcha. <laughs> well, yeah, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Wendell Burns, on my counterpart, Save on Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.